1: God goes out of His way to find ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Why? So He gets the glory.
0: We all want to do good things, but today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that we can do God's things if we focus on bringing Him glory.
1: The Lord in effect says, it's not about who you are, it's about who I am. So we say, who am I? God says, really nobody, but who am I? I'm the great I am, and I'm the one that's gonna do the work through you. This is
0: the Century novelist Charles Edward Montague, who said, There's no limit to what a man can do so long as he doesn't care a straw who gets the credit for it. There's truth to that, and there's absolutely no limit to what a man can do when he's empowered by God and seeks only God's glory. Today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie shows the example of a man who drew on God's strength and provision to accomplish an impossible feat. And we'll see what the Lord wants us to learn from this account.
1: Let's uh, grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 and read our world changer series which is normally based in Hebrews 11 and still is to the point but the character we're going to look at today, the world changer we're going to spend a little time with is only mentioned in a word in the great heroes hall of faith. So we're going to deal with a text that tells a story. And the title of my message is What to Do When the Odds Are Against You. So that sounds like an interesting message. Are the odds against anybody right now? Are you facing some challenges, some difficulties, and it's not looking good for you? What to do when the odds are against you? And now we're going to look at a man that had no potential that we can see whatsoever, yet he became a bona fide world changer, and his name is Gideon. And Gideon, well, it's kind of surprising he made it into the hall of faith. This was not a perfect guy. He, he had a weak beginning, and quite frankly, he didn't have the best ending either, but he made it into this exclusive list of courageous men and women who put their faith into action. You know what I find interesting about Hebrews 11, the hero of Saul of faith, or what I call world changers? Is God never mentions their sins. He tells us about their accomplishments done through faith, but He never mentions their flaws or their shortcomings, but other verses do, but in this particular record, Those things are not mentioned. So when we look at a guy like Gideon, this gives hope to people who are not extraordinary but more on the ordinary side. You weren't the best student. You weren't the class president. Uh, You weren't the most beautiful. You weren't the most handsome. You were that person that when they were picking who was gonna be on what team to play baseball, you were one of the last ones picked. Was that anybody here? That was me. It was so sad. You know, there have a bunch of people. Okay, we'll take that person. We'll take that person. Then finally, someone say, "All right, fine. We'll take Lori." Lori, you can be first base. I'm all excited. I can play first base. No, we want you to be first base. We want to, to put our cleats in you when we slide in. So, you know, I know what it's like to be that guy. But listen to this. God goes out of His way to find people like that. God goes out of His way to find ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Why? So He gets the glory. You see? Because that person will say, there's no way I could have ever done that on my own. And that is really the story here. People to change the world. And you know what? Gideon's world was messed up big time. It was the year 1256 B.C. It had been 200 years since Israel marched on Jericho. And though they saw the walls fall by the power of God of that great city, things had changed because they did not finish the job. God told Israel to drive out the inhabitants of Canaan, the Canaanites, which included the Amorites, the Hittites, the Ammonites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, all the sites. God said, drive them out. And Israel obeyed partially. So now what has happened is these Canaanites have come back to haunt them and ultimately rule over them. And this happens to us as Christians sometimes. You know, we'll commit our life to Christ and we'll say, Lord, you can have the key to every door, uh, to every lock in my life, except these two over here. Leave this closet alone. I, I keep my skeletons in this closet here. and I don't want you messing with this other area of my life. Lord, you know, you can have everything but leave my finances alone. You can have everything but, but leave my marriage alone or leave my singleness alone or leave my career alone. That's mine, Lord. No, no. If I don't let him be Lord of all, Is he Lord at all? (laughs) And so they had allowed the Canaanites to continue to grow and get stronger and now they're gonna come back to haunt them. And why did this happen? Because the Israelites had turned from God and they turned to false gods. And we read in verse one, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and he handed them over to the Midianites. By the way, footnote, the Midianites are the first to domesticate the camel. Have you ever spent time around a camel? They're a really weird looking animal. One person said a camel is a horse that a committee designed, you know? It's like nothing makes sense about a camel. They're ugly, but they're incredibly efficient. They can go days without drinking water. They can move very quickly uh, and they spit. I know this from experience. You I mean, over in Israel, there's like, you know, there's camels you can climb on the back of and pay a few shekels and get your shot taken, your photo taken. They, they don't charge you anything to get up on the camel, but they do charge you to get off, right? So you're up there and you, oh, nice camel, right in your face. So imagine you're the Israelites and over the hill comes Midianites, armed to the teeth, riding camels. They look like creatures from Star Wars or something. It's frightening and so they're dominating the people and the people are hiding. They're afraid. They're devastated. And so they started calling on God. God help us. By the way, there's nothing wrong with calling out on the Lord if you're in a moment of crisis. Let me take it a step further. You're stupid if you don't call out on God in a moment of crisis. Well, I I don't know, Christianity's for weak people. It's a crutch. Oh no, Christianity isn't a crutch. Christianity is a whole hospital, okay? You need God's help. And if you have half a brain, you'll call on Him. And here's the good news. The Lord will hear you if you call on Him when it's sunny and wonderful, or if it's stormy and horrible. He'll hear your prayer. He says in Jeremiah 33, 3, God speaking, call to me and I'll answer you. I'll tell you great and hidden things you have not known. So the Lord's not going to answer their prayer in a very unusual way. He's going to send the answer through a guy named Gideon.
0: Well, thanks for listening to A New Beginning today with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA, and today he's bringing us another message in the World Changes series. We're learning from a world changer named Gideon. It's a message called What to Do When the Odds Are Against You.
1: As our story begins, we find Gideon trying to prepare a little bit of wheat, hiding behind the walls of a small wine press, hardly a picture of heroism and courage. He was like the rest of Israel, hungry, hurting and humiliated. And the Lord said, there's my man. So the story begins. Judges six, look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared and said, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, hey mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us and why have all these things happened to us? And where are all of his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? And now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? We'll stop there. Interesting response on the part of Gideon. He complains. Here is the Lord coming to him and he says, hey, why is all of this happen to us. You know, where's all the miracles that we hear about in the old days? I heard about a mom that was teaching some Bible stories to her children, actually to her daughter in particular. And she told her daughter about the great uh, battles of Joshua and the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And, and the little girl turned to her mom and said, you know what, mom? God was a lot more exciting back then. <laughs> Maybe you feel that way sometimes. You hear about the stories of things that have happened in other generations. And uh, God could have rebuked Gideon. God could have said, what are you talking about, Gideon? You brought this on yourself, you and your people with your idolatry. But yet the Lord did not do that. Effectively said, look, we, we got a job to do. Let's get going. Sort of like when you're trying to leave your house and get your kids ready and a shoe's missing and and you're searching for a doll. Sadly, it's the dad looking for his doll. Uh, So, you know, you're looking, oh, we've got to go. You say, kids, just get in the car We'll sort it out later. We've got it. You have Just get in the car, okay? And the Lord is saying that to Gideon. Look, I don't have time to deal with your whining and your lame questions. It's gonna happen. And it's gonna happen right now. So let's get going. Now Gideon immediately protests. Verse 15. Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my father's house. Modern interpretation of that would be, hey, I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the lowest of the low. And God said, yeah, and you're the guy I want. That brings us to point number one if you're taking notes. Number one, God uses people who are humble. God uses people who are humble. By the way, if you talk about how humble you are, you're a long ways away from real humility. (laughs) I've met people, they say, I'm a very humble person. I'm so humble. In fact, I'm I'm humble. They're like, humble. I'm so humble, I dropped the H. I'm just humble. (laughs) You're actually probably really arrogant because you're always talking about how humble you are. See, a humble person, a really humble person, doesn't tell you they're humble. They're just shocked that you would even notice them They would be surprised if God would call upon them. That was Gideon. He was genuinely humble. It's someone who sees himself for who they are. In fact, Gideon asks the Lord in verse 15, Who am I? Who am I that you would call me? And I love the response of the Lord. The Lord in effect says, It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. So we say, Who am I? God says, Really nobody. But who am I? I'm the great I Am. And I'm the one that's going to do the work through you. So let's get going. But first there's going to be a test before he leads Israel into battle. And it's going to be a test in his own home. God told Gideon uh, to tear down the altar his father, Joash, had erected to a false god. He said, go tear that altar down. And by the way, while you're doing it, I want you to take his prized uh, and I want you to barbecue it just so he understands what's coming down. And Gideon did what the Lord told him to do and that was not easy. Bringing us to principle number two, world changers are faithful in little things. God says, go tear down the altar of your father. And Gideon did it. And by the way, the Bible says he did it at night. Some would be critical of him. Oh, he shouldn't have done it at night. He should have done it in the light of day. Yeah, so what? He did it. You know, there are people today that love to criticize. They think they have the gift of criticism. (laughs) They always find what's wrong. They never have solutions. They never want to be a part of the solution. They just like to critique. Well, I don't like the way you guys do this, and I don't like the way you guys do that. Greg, I don't like the way you do evangelism. We don't like your crusades, and we don't like the way you call people to Christ. You don't do it right. Okay, I'll ask you, how do you do it? Well, we don't do it. Oh, well I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it, okay? Now I'm not saying everything I do is perfect, it isn't. But I'm doing the best I can do to reach people with the gospel. So my question is, what are these other people doing? It's easy to be an armchair quarterback, but world changers are willing to put it on the line. They're willing to take chances and take risks. And so he did what the Lord called him to do. Verse 27 says, He did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. And you know what happened? After he tore down the altar of his dad, the people were so angry and they wanted to execute Gideon. Pretty harsh, But amazingly, and in an interesting little twist in the story, the father of Gideon, the guy who set up the altar to Baal is the one who defends him. And the father says to the people, why are you defending Baal? Why do you argue his case? If Baal's really a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. See, I think deep down inside, dad was proud of his son. Joash was proud of Gideon. Wow, my boy's doing really well. In fact it even seems like the faith of the Father was rekindled. But this brings up an important point. The hardest people to reach are your own family. The first place you need to take a stand for your faith in Christ is with the members of your family. With your father, with your mother, with your husband, with your wife, with your son, your daughter, your extended family. Say, I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times they're skeptical. <laughs> Because they've probably known you since you've been, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. They're thinking, oh, what's this kid gonna tell me? And so you need to just live it. Uh, maybe we think they need a sermon every day. No, I, there's a point when the sermons are done. Just start living the sermon now and be a godly example. So Gideon passed the first test with flying colors.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with a message from his World Changes series, What to Do When the Odds Are Against You. There sure is a lot to learn in this study of the humble man that God named Gideon. We'll have more for you tomorrow, but right now here's Pastor Greg with a closing final illustration.
1: Years ago when I was a brand new Christian, I was attending Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. So I made an appointment with Pastor Chuck Smith, who's now with the Lord, and I sat down in his office, and he was there behind his desk, and, and I said, uh, Pastor Chuck, I want to be used by God. I want to serve the Lord here. And I thought he might say, well, Greg, why don't you do one of the Bible studies here? Or maybe preach for me Sunday morning. And Chuck said, okay, great. I want you to go talk to one of my associate pastors. His name is Pastor Romaine. Well, I didn't know who Pastor Romaine was. I found out fast enough. He used to be in the Marine Corps. He was a drill sergeant. And here I come, some young hippie kid, and I said, hi, I'm here to serve the Lord, and Chuck sent me to you, and Romy knew exactly what that meant. That meant free janitorial work. (laughs) So I said, okay, Greg, here's a broom. Go sweep over there, and when you're done, go over there and clean the toilets. Excuse me, I didn't volunteer to be a janitor. I volunteered to serve the Lord. But they understood, if I could not be faithful in the little things, how could they entrust me with anything greater? And they got a lot of free work out of me, by the way, doing that. But I understood. I just need to do what I'm asked to do. And then I would be given another responsibility. And then maybe I could answer the phone and counsel someone. Then maybe I could go make a hospital call. And then maybe I could go teach a little Bible study. Jesus said in Luke 16: unless you're faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. So start small.
0: If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message, it is available on CD from Vision Christian Store. Search what to do when the odds are against you at visionstore.org.au or call one 800 0 Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.